welcome to the Keep Running podcast with me, Rachel Stringer. And me, Amana Rai. We are so pleased to have you along with us for the ride for the next 40 or so minutes. Each week, we'll bring you a guest we hope will inspire you, motivate you and make you fall in love or further fall in love with running. Because we all share one simple common goal on here. We all love to run. So whether you're new to running, have a running related question or just want to say hello, we want to hear from you. So drop us a DM or write us a comment in the review section of whatever podcast app you listen on. And whilst you're there, give us a subscribe too. That way you'll never miss one of our inspiring guests again. Today's guest is no stranger to the Keep Running podcast. He actually had a cameo role in one of our earlier podcast episodes. In 2017, he was one of the most recognisable marathon runners in the UK for a feat of pure sportsmanship. He's a full-time coach, blogger, vlogger, YouTuber, and still fits in time to run a sub-230 marathon. This man, like one of our previous podcast guests, juggles parenthood and a full-on household with four children in it around his running. Today's guest is Matt Rees, or better known to some of you as the Welsh runner. Welcome, Matt, to the Keep Running podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me. No, thank you. So how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's sunny outside, so yeah, it's all good. And we feel like... um. I guess you know kind of what to expect on this podcast because uh, your partner, Kelly Rock, Kellogg's on the run. She uh, joined us a couple of weeks back. So you're prepared, I hope. Yeah, I absolutely loved that episode. I was listening to it on my run and uh, I had to stop and just message her and say how proud of her I was for the podcast and just how well it had gone. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. Rachel and I are smiling away. (laughs) Um, So as you know what to expect, let's start with our five quick fire questions. So our first question, Matt, is why do you run? For me, the main reason is to help with my mental health. I also like to push myself, but the mental health is why I started and why I still run. We'll chat a bit more about that um, later on because we've been reading your blog and we know kind of a lot about you. So we'll touch on that for sure. Uh, But number two, um, what is your greatest running achievement to date? It's a difficult one, but I think it's probably my debut marathon. It was a sub 230. I'd been running just over a year and I don't know, I was just shocked and I worked really hard for it and uh, I ran a disciplined race. So yeah, I think that's probably my biggest achievement so far. That is insane that you ran that in your first marathon. It was an hour faster than my first marathon. (laughs) Um, So, Matt, what is the best piece of advice that you've been given during your running career? Uh, I think it's take your easy days easy. You have to recover from the harder sessions to progress. And uh, I didn't get that right initially, but I think I've got the the blend uh, nailed on now. About 20 years later, I still don't take my easy days easy. I think I need to as my coach. (laughs) Anyway, um, that's why I'm sitting here injured right now. We'll talk about that later too. Um, Question four, who inspires you? So when I started, one of the runners that really inspired me was Steve Way. I don't know if you know his backstory. He was 100 kilograms, smoked 20 cigarettes a day. And then he started running in his 30s and made the Commonwealth Games. And I thought that was just massively inspiring for someone who started so late. Very, very inspiring. So a quote that never fails to brighten your day. I absolutely love Beckett's ever tried, ever failed, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better. I think it's a great metaphor for every aspect of life. Just keep on trying. doesn't matter if it goes wrong. You learn, you come back and you, you grow. Yeah, that's quite a powerful one actually, isn't it? Absolutely. Everyone fails at some point in their life, but It's those that kind of pick themselves up who ultimately, I think, go the furthest. So, yeah, love that one. Thanks for sharing that. I love all these quotes, actually, that we're kind of getting all of our guests to share because I think I could write them all down and put them on my wall or something. So thank you for that one. (laughs) I know, maybe. Um, Right, we're going to get into our main questions now, um, Matt, and we have so many um, because we just really want you to tell your story. So first up, I want to just go back five years, really, to why did you start running? Because you only did start five years ago, or properly five years ago. Yeah. Um, 
So for me, I've always been sporty, always done a lot of sport, uh, but never shown any interest in running. Um, but in 2014, the end of 2014, I was going through a really difficult time. My anxiety levels were really high. I was uh, getting counseling, seeing doctors, and I just wasn't going through a very good period. And I kept on getting the advice to try running to help with my mental health. Um, and I ignored that advice for a long time. But I decided as a New Year's resolution, that's it. I'm going to just try running, see if it helps. I'm going to stick with it for a bit and uh, stop uh, stop making excuses, basically. If I wanted to improve my mental health, I had to try something else. And yeah, it was incredible. Uh, not on your first run, not on your second run, but slowly I really did see the benefits of running. So I started uh, to help with that. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, kind of, we saw that as well, you know, the mental health side of things. Um, but you did dabble in running beforehand. I guess, why did it not stick beforehand? And why did it kind of only just stick for you at the age of 28 years old? Yeah, I did a couple of races the couple of years before. One race each year it was, and it was 30 seconds from where I grew up. And I basically did those because it was the community of everyone was out there doing this race. Let's see what it's about. Didn't enjoy it. Didn't train for it. Um, just didn't see the, the draw really. And it was only, it was only the dedication of saying in 2015, no, I'm going to stick with this for a bit and see, see what it's all about. That really changed it for me. Um, I've always like tried to set myself quite big new year's resolutions. One year I quit sweets and you, you don't know me, but I absolutely love my sweets and I quit for a whole year. Uh, so this time I was going to really give it a go with uh, with running and see if it really could help me. Matt, I could never quit sweets or quit chocolate. So well done for doing that for a whole year. I went to a New Year's Eve party and um, was waiting for 12 o'clock and I just had a bag full of sweets. Everyone else was drinking <laughs> alcohol and there I was with like Haribo in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. So Matt, you said that running helped you um, with your anxiety, but I guess what impact did that have on your overall life and your well-being and how you felt as a person then at the time? I think running can help you with your mental health in a, a number of ways. Um, when I get out, it is like my freedom. Um, I get all these endorphins. It's just time away from all the stress and it just it calms me down, but I also think it makes you a stronger person mentally because you go out and you do these sessions and you're pushing yourself hard. And it, it just, I don't know, it gives you that strength mentally in that respect as well. Um, I found that, you know, I, I do still suffer with my mental health and my anxiety can be quite bad, but through running, I've really learned to manage it in a, in a really positive way. And it has absolutely changed my life in every, in every aspect. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just can't believe how lucky I was to actually start it even that late and um, how much it's changed me. How much of your personality then do you think has changed? I mean, again, I don't know you personally, but how you talk about it, it seems to be quite transformative, your running does to you. Were you a completely different person before you found running, would you say? Um, I... I was a bit of an actor. I, I think a lot of people say this. They, you try and act confident, but you hide away from the world so much. And I avoided people. I avoided situations. Um, I was really, really unhappy and used to lock myself away and just try and shut myself off from the world. And running, getting out there was like a big step. And then that step led to me turning up to events and actually seeing people and actually speaking to people um, I think I'm the same person. I'm just a person that manages manages my anxiety a lot better. I think what you're saying will resonate with a lot of our listeners. So thank you for sharing that. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask on that was, given that this week is Mental Health Awareness Week and running has had such an impact on your life and your own mental health, what advice would you give someone who's struggling with their own mental health who perhaps doesn't feel ready to run yet? Yeah, well, that wasn't the first thing I did. The first thing I did was open up and that can be really difficult. I remember trying to discuss it with my dad and that was the one thing I was so scared to do um, because, you know, I look up to my dad and I just, I felt like I was weak. 
I felt like I'm admitting weakness and I've always tried to act strong and I wasn't strong. I, I, I had this weakness and I just was struggling to admit it to myself and to other people. But when I did open up, it made such a huge difference. It was this massive weight off my shoulders. Um, and I think that's something a lot of people hang on to. They don't want to to talk about their mental health, but even just choosing, even if you do it to someone you don't, like Samaritan's line or something like that, someone you don't know to start with, and then to your close family or friends, I think it can have a huge, huge impact on your life and uh, in a positive way. And then if you can start running as well, then that's the, the double header. Yeah, I mean, running, I think, helps both of us. And especially, you know, during during lockdown, like um, when I was, you know, younger, actually my brother passed away and running then because I was competing like GB for GB juniors at the time um, was a massive part of my life. But actually... For me, I couldn't deal with what was going on. So I actually took a step back from running because it at that stage in in my running career, as I'm gonna say, was it was quite a lot to deal with and what was going on at home. And it wasn't until I was a bit older that I could process what kind of happened to me that I found running again when I moved to London. And now I couldn't live without it. Like you were saying, you know, it's kind of um my escapism, something I do for my mental health. If I'm having like a down day, you can go out and run. And for some reason, life just feels a little bit better. So um, I can completely agree with everything you just said there, um, Matt. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing it with us. Um, we really appreciate that. Definitely. And I think, um, thank you for sharing that, Matt, because I think I've um, had the same as well. Running's always been in my life, but about a year ago, I really started struggle struggling with anxiety as well. Um, I got the help that I needed for that, but running really helped me in that it provided some structure to my day. And I always, I felt like I needed to get out and run because I had this goal of a marathon or whatever my goal was at the time. And I'd come back from my run and it would massively, massively help my anxiety. So both Rach and I, I think, definitely relate to what you're saying. So thank you for sharing that. And I guess, so this all led to you starting running and you are a very, very good runner. So at what point in all of this did you recognise that you could be really good at running? Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, really, because I started and I really struggled just when I first went out for my run, just, just like I think most people do. But very quickly, I sort of grew this self-belief that, oh, yeah, I'm going to be good. Um, I've always been very competitive and always wanted to be the best at whatever I've tried. Um, so when I rocked up at my first race and didn't win, I was I was shocked. Uh, <laughs> I was nowhere near the front. But, I uh, yeah, I think I, I had, like, visions of grandeur of crossing the line and winning, and like, like you see in all these films. And, yeah, it, it just wasn't quite like that. But um, I have progressed, and, yeah, I, uh, I work hard at it. Yeah, because you just kind of said, you know, you always wanted to win and everything. And I was going to ask you that before you found running, um, what did you do that you put all this energy and motivation and determination into? What was your passion? Lots of things. My my real passion before running was football. Uh, I, I love all sports, um, whatever it is. If it's competitive, I I want to I want to play. Basically, I'm just a big kid. Uh, but football was the one thing I really loved. I did that all through school, all through university uh, and after university, um, always played football. And even when I started running, I was playing football at the same time, which was difficult. I'd be playing a match on the Saturday and then running a race on the Sunday. And uh, yeah, so I, I was very passionate about football, but also um, academia and learning. I just absolutely love to learn. So I've been to, I think it's four universities. Uh, doing different things I just love I love knowledge I think you can tell that actually from your blog you know you kind of uh, mention a couple of different uh, books that you've read and like you talk about the the chimp parody and Steve Peters so I think if anyone reads your blog you I mean I want to be coached by you now <laughs> you seem like you have all this depth <laughs> and wealth of knowledge that you kind of talk about on your blog especially that I feel like I could tap into but um that kind of brings me to your latest blog post actually which you you go quite deep and you talk about all these goals. Um, and I love how determined you are and kind of dogged that you are going to achieve them. Um, you said before you got injured last year that you felt like you're in 223 shape for a marathon. Um, 
that's really quick. Like, I mean, the fastest men's time in the UK is like two eight. You know, you're kind of like closing in on the elites. I guess, you know, where did your your goals come from, and how? Why are they so ambitious? I mean, I know you spoke about your first your first marathon. Sorry, was sub two thirty, but I just feel like you haven't just gone into marathon running half heartedly, have you? You've gone in full pelt, knowing that you yeah. want to reach as as high as you can, a high level as you can. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my first marathon, I then two nights before, I was like, I'm going to go for sub two thirty, and my dad was like, What are you talking about? You can never run sub two thirty in your first marathon. That's not what's done. Don't be silly. <laughs> Don't ruin the day for everyone. I'm like, I'm not going to. Hang on, what are you doing in training though? What pace were you running at in training? Were you anywhere near that? I'd never done long runs anywhere near that pace. Okay, um, fine. Okay, your dad's right. Then so, I was agreeing with your dad. <laughs> But I think the fastest long run I'd done was obviously nowhere near marathon distance and was about 20 to 30 seconds per mile slower. So, what? yeah, it wasn't. So it was, but I, but I, it wasn't stupidity. I had run a decent half. I had done some good training sessions and I knew I was tapered. And I just truly believed that I could go sub 230. And I ran a really disciplined race and it, it worked out on the day. Um, and I, I do set myself really big goals. So I wanted to run uh, sub two hours 25 uh, in London this year. Obviously, it was postponed for good reason. If it's on in October, I've changed my goal. I've skipped straight through that, <laughs> which might seem madness, but I've, you know, it's given me another six months to train. So I want to run sub two hours and 20. That's my, not my ultimate goal, but that's what I really, truly believe I can do. And I think... With without this, with all these races cancelled and stuff, has actually helped me focus on on the basics and really putting in that volume and base that's going to help me in the long run. I think um, you were obviously in the physical shape to run sub two two thirty. Obviously, otherwise you wouldn't have been able to. But I think. What I'm taking from you is that actually a lot of it is mental and having that mental determination and focus and focus during the race, I think really helps you achieve your goals. Um, that's that's kind of what I take from you. But I guess what we want to know is what is your ultimate goal then? So at the moment, I'm very much trying to not live in the moment, but live in in not short term but medium goals so sub 220 is my goal that is my ultimate goal right now but once i've done that it won't be my ultimate goal um i'll go back to steve way and he ran um he started and he went sub three and then he brought it down and down and down and he was getting older and older and he ended up going to the commonwealth games running 215 i think he ran and that's incredible i don't know if i can get that quick but i know i'm gonna try and I'll give it all, give it my all to see see what I am capable of. Yeah, I mean, like with marathon running and endurance running, you know, the, not the older the better, but obviously the likes of like Elliot Kipchoge, he's thirty five. Mo Thara, I think, is like thirty seven. You're thirty two, I think, at the moment. Um, what do you think is peak age to run your best time? Is there a peak age? I don't think there's really a peak age. I think these runners, you know, thirty five, thirty seven. They've got years and years and years of endurance in them. M many of the runners, when you look at Kipchoge and Farah, they've got, you know, a decade of track running um, and huge mileage that's got them to that point. For me, I haven't got that behind me, but I've now got five years of decent training behind me, which has allowed me to uh, train at a higher, higher level. So I couldn't have run 220 in my first year, I did run 229, but I couldn't have run 219. And that's because I wasn't able, my body wasn't able to train at that level. Do you think though football's given you any skills that you may have lacked though? Like, I don't know, stability in your knee or your hip or something that maybe us runners didn't grow up developing? I think so. I think football gave me a lot of strength, which meant that I didn't get injured. Um, I was, I was quite a muscular, not, not, not massively muscular, but compared to some of the runners of my standard, a muscular runner when they came on. And I think that allowed me to absorb the training without, without getting injured. I was used to changing directions. I was used to, I was used to running, not running, but training in football, you know, there's a lot of running in that. Um, and I also think it, it gave me that, um, 
that ignorance, if you like, to rock up and think, oh, I'm going to win this race. Um, obviously, I didn't win those first few races, but I don't think that ignorance really went away. Like my first race win um, was in the July after I'd started in the January. It was on my birthday. That's why I entered the race. And it was a hilly 10K, and I just ran off into the distance and didn't look around. I just didn't want to see anyone. I just said, you're going to win today. Don't turn around. Just keep running until you get to that line. And it was a really, really special day. Matt, I love that, and I love your determination. I want to see you smash 220. Um, One of the things that you said was that you had a goal for London, had had it have gone ahead in April this year, and if it goes ahead in October, you've changed that goal. That goal is now faster. And we were looking at your Instagram account and saw that one of your recent posts was about pushing in training during this time obviously lockdown and there's a lot of people who are not pushing during training um can you just explain your reason behind continuing to push whilst there are no races and your motivation behind that yeah of course um i think i've seen a lot of people with different approaches at this time and i think whatever approach you take that's good for you i uh but for me personally i have found this is the the perfect time for me to do what I've never done. And that is take the intensity down and take the volume up. It's very difficult to do both. Um, so I'm going with the approach to really improve my aerobic fitness, throw in a few sessions now and again to keep ticking over, but really improve um, my aerobic fitness and my ability to run aerobically, which is so important in the marathon. So I'm training actually... <sighs> I would say I'm training harder than I ever have, and yet not really. So I'm running more than I ever have, but without the intensity, it actually feels a bit easier. And I think yeah. that will pay off in the long run when the races do resume. We might not even get races until next year, but if I carry on training at this level, which I've never been at, I know that I'm going to be in the sort of shape to run the goals that I've set myself. kind of seems like you're just to putting the building blocks in at the moment, aren't you? That feels like you've gone back to what I would probably do in September time or something, you know, put the kind of groundwork in all the miles before you kind of ramp up the intensity. But we just wanted that discussion really because I seem to have trained too much in lockdown or before because we were going to go to America um, to the Speed Project, which is the ultra relay across from LA to Vegas. So we've been training quite hard for that. Um, and I think I've just been training too much and got injured. Amana's actually training pretty hard right now. And then a couple of people, like you said, on Instagram have taken hard weeks off because they just want to give their body a little bit of a rest if and when the marathons come back. So what are you suggesting your athletes who you coach are doing? Are you kind of telling them to do what you're doing or are you very bespoke to each one of them? It's very bespoke. I had a discussion with each athlete to find out okay, this was your goal. What do you want your goal to be going forward? Um, Many of them want to uh, do better at shorter distances because you can go out and do a 5K time trial without a race, whereas it's very difficult to go out and do a marathon without there being that support network of of drinks and gels and the crowd. Um, But even so, uh, I I do think that, that a lot of them still want to run that marathon in the long term. So we've always got an eye on that. So we, you know, we're not moving too far away from, from that sort of training in respect to getting your long runs done. Yeah. And I do think it does need to be um, on an individual basis. Cause like Rach said, she's doing very different training to me at the moment. So I, when I first went into lockdown and our race was canceled, I eased off my training for a couple of weeks. And then I'm actually using the lockdown period to work with a new coach. And we're training quite hard to build a good level of fitness so that when we are ready to race, I've built up as much fitness as possible. And hopefully that will mean that I'll break PBs by even further than I would have should I have run at this time of year. So yeah, totally get that. I guess what we would love to know about your coaching then is what is your coaching USP? What is your unique selling point? I think the feedback, I think I have a good communication with with my clients. And um, I think that's absolutely crucial. I think if you don't understand how they're feeling on runs and how how they're doing then you're not going to be able to coach them properly it's very easy to give out a generic plan but people adapt differently people 
have their own lives that are affecting their running. All these different aspects play a huge part. So getting that feedback and constantly adapting plans as athletes adapt, because some some people progress quicker than quicker than others, and some people need to take a week where you're doing lower volume or lower intensity, which a lot of generic plans don't take into account. That was actually something Kelly mentioned your partner when she was on the podcast a few weeks ago. She was saying that it's been great having you coaching her um, after giving birth, um, I think about five months ago now. Um, congratulations, by the way. Um, <laughs> very exciting. Um, and we love watching the Instagram stories of you and the family. We love them. So keep them coming. But <laughs> Kelly on the podcast was saying that um, what's worked really well about coming back after giving birth is that you've had this great two-way communication um, between you both and that's really helped her and um, I think that's why she was so positive about her comeback to running. But I guess from your perspective, what have you learned from the process of coaching Kelly after giving birth and what would you say to new mums? Yeah, Kelly was a new experience for me because I'd never coached uh, someone coming back post postpartum. Um, but Kelly makes it so easy because she is so open and obviously we communicate really well and I know her so well. So it was so helpful to see the struggles she was facing. And, um, you know, I could talk to her every day and, and find out whether the run that we had initially planned was the right thing to be doing. We took a really cautious, gradual approach. And um, sometimes she didn't want to do that, but we knew it was the best thing for her. And it's really paid off. She's running really well now. And I think that's not just down to my coaching, but down to her buying into the process of, I'm going to go really slowly, but I'm going to be improving. So it doesn't matter how slow I go, that that improvement is going to keep me motivated. Advice to new mum is very difficult because everyone is different. Um, and I do think you, you, know, you need to uh, make sure that your body's ready to even start running again uh kelly did a lot of walking and a lot of um exercises uh that aren't running based before she even you know put her trainers on and started to jog well kelly's um uh, being talked about actually quite a lot in my household currently because i'm living with my sister who is six months pregnant and she's struggling to walk and i keep saying we had kelly on the other week and she was running a half marathon through the forest at six months so hurry up and get outside and so she's not very happy that actually i spoke to kelly who's this like superwoman <laughs> of running when she's struggling to walk at six months pregnant so um matt maybe again you need to help my sister postpartum because she <laughs> is struggling and she hasn't even had the baby yet um but actually, I want to go on to what you mentioned in our five questions where you said the best piece of advice or one of the best pieces of advice you've been given was um, have your easy days, like keep your easy days easy. How do you try and instill that into your athletes? I just try and make them understand the process that those easy days aren't junk mileage or aren't a waste or because people have these misconceptions you need to polarize your training. You've got to recover. You've got to absorb the harder training. Um, so obviously I can look at the pace and look at the feedback, but often often people think they're running easy when they're actually running pretty, pretty steady or pretty hard. Um, I love heart rate. Not all of my clients have got it, but most of them have got heart rate. I am a big advocate of the chest strap because it's so much more reliable. I've got lots of clients that use the wrist data and it, it does work but it's just not as responsive um so it's that feedback it's the heart rate and it's really trying to instill that this is a is a, a process of being patient and consistent and that's what will bring the results so i guess matt i did an easy run this morning so what should i be looking for to make sure i'm running easy because the thing that i go for is i should get to the end of my easy run and so this morning i did five miles and at the end of five miles, I should feel ready to do five, five miles again. So what, what, what kind of advice would you give on easy runs? What, what are the cues? Yeah, so obviously, if you were working on heart rate, we could discuss that, but that would be very personal, the actual levels to you. Um, if you're just looking for basic cues, you should be able to have a, a decent conversation with someone. Um, you should be able to talk. You shouldn't feel like you're pushing. But it, how you feel will vary so if you're doing 
an easy run, which I might call a recovery run after a hard session the day before, you might actually feel not so great. Your legs might feel tired or sore, but it might still be an easy run as long as you're going at that nice aerobic pace where you can still talk to someone. Um, I agree. You you do want to finish feeling like you could, could carry on, but sometimes you might not even feel like you could carry on if it was a recovery run after a tough day the day before. Um, we always actually talk about uh, our training and we always speak about our favorite sessions. Um, mine is mile reps actually with like a 200 meter jog recovery if I'm training for a marathon. I love doing that at like just under target marathon pace. So I feel really comfortable when I'm in a marathon. Amana has loads of different sessions she loves. She's a session fiend over there. Um, what is your favorite session that you like setting that you think is just so great at building fitness quickly? Um, I don't like the term building fitness quickly. Um, okay, but... I throw that around with my turnabout. That's why <laughs> I'm, I'm like, turnabout, you get fit quick. Sorry if I've just completely um, ruined that. Sorry. Don't no. listen to me, I'm not a coach. <laughs> sorry to call you up on it. But no, for me, it's not about getting fit quickly. It's about, it's all about a nice, patient, sustained consistency where you can build those higher volume sessions as you progress towards the marathon one of my favorite sessions you know this will be closer to the marathon than when you're first starting out is um alternating kilometers at at faster than marathon pace and slower than marathon pace but both of the kilometers are, are, are tough so it's steady and a faster than marathon pace and it equals at about marathon pace so and you do it for about 20 kilometers so it's with the warm up and the cool down, it turns into quite a long run and it doesn't get you fit quickly. But once you've got to the point where you can do that session and nail it, you know, you're pretty ready to run a marathon. I'm getting told off. Matt, I promise, I promise this is not a lie. Last week I did a 10 minute warm up and then altering one, one K's, but I did, I think I did eight at 10 K pace and 5 K pace. So I feel like that's on board with what you're saying. I'll have Absolutely. a word with Rach after though. It's one of those sessions that can be adapted for for whatever you're training for, but you just have to change the intensities or the volume so that it works towards your goal. Yeah, and you end up running actually quite far at the end of it. So yeah, it's a good little session that I like that one. I'll add that one to my list, Rachel, favourites. <laughs> um, so Matt, we had, um, obviously we mentioned we had your partner Kelly on the podcast a few weeks back and we talked to her about the hectic household that you live in with four children, including a new baby boy who's only five months. So how are you finding managing everything with your coaching and your running and running a household? How does it all work for you? I love it, but it is difficult. Um, <laughs> Kelly said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is. It is chaos, but we we love the chaos, and we wouldn't have it any any way differently. Um, lockdown's been another challenge because obviously before the kids would go to school, obviously we'd still have Harry, but we could um, you know share the responsibility with that. But lockdown has meant that we've got homeschooling and there's just a bit more noise and, as you put it, chaos in the house. But I think we work really well as a team. Kelly's incredible. And I think even the kids, we're all pulled together to try and help each other out. And that just allows us to get what we need to get done, done. Yeah. And I guess, um, obviously, you, you're, you know, you're a, you're a new dad as well. Obviously, little Harry's only five months now. Um, I guess, how is your running been shaped by you being a parent like what skills I guess are transferable which you've learned from one that kind of fits into helping the other um I don't know what skills I've learned you'd have to ask Kelly um <laughs> I know that it's got me so motivated I actually started my YouTube vlog like the week before Harry was born and I was saying in it right I want to set a good example for Harry. I'm going to do this vlog all the way to the London Marathon. He's going to be there watching. And it just motivated me so much to make him proud. Obviously, he doesn't know now. But I just had this image of him looking back and thinking, oh, my dad did that for me. Um, so, yeah, it's motivated me massively. The skills I've learned are just trying to trying to be clever with your time and manage your time well. because, And also being flexible because you don't know when Harry's going to start crying or when he's going to get hungry or when he's going to, you know, need his nappy changed or whatever it might be. So you just got to try and when you do get some time, use it wisely. Do you think running helps you as a parent as well, though? Because you, I always say to people, you learn so many skills as a runner or doing a sport in general, like 
important life skills that I think just set you up perfectly for like a to be a more rounded person. I, yeah, I think running completes me. Um, I don't think I'm myself without running. Uh, it makes me a calmer, more patient person. And I think that's really important with a baby. Agreed. I'm I'm a lot calmer once I've been for a run. So don't catch me on a rest day. This week, my rest day is Thursday. So Rach, I'm warning you. Um, so Matt, obviously, one really important factor of running and training and recovery is sleep. So how do you deal with with the potential lack of sleep that you might have with having a new baby? And have you felt that it's ever impacted your runs? I'm going to be totally honest. And that was the biggest challenge I had uh, training for the London Marathon uh, this year, um, sleep just wasn't what it used to be. And <laughs> I, I always say to say to people that if I was allowed to, if I had that sort of control, I would set sleep as a session. I'd be like, right, your next session is nine hours sleep because it's so important and I can feel such a huge difference when I get a good night's sleep um, with my recovery. and. I just wasn't getting good night's sleep. So uh, it was tough. And I feel like it's made me a stronger person coming through it. But I had to be really careful. I was a bit more cautious than I normally would be at the start of my marathon block because I knew that I wasn't recovering as well as I would have been with the, with the extra sleep. So it's something you have to take into account as well as other things in your life. If you've got stress, if you're not getting much sleep, if, you're, you know, if work's tough, any of these things, play a factor in your training. I guess this um, marathon postponement is kind of working in your favour because Harry can get a bit, a little bit bigger. You can get some more sleep. Um, but one question actually I do have for you as well for I guess other parents out there with new babies, you put it on your Instagram, you asked for running buggies. Have you found the perfect running buggy yet for when Harry is ready to come out on those runs in the buggy with you? I'm so excited about it. I really <laughs> am. I can't wait to go out with him. Um, uh, Kelly's really excited as well. So I, yeah, um, I think it was yesterday I put on my Instagram that I love recommendations and people have been amazing. Okay. Social media can be so great for things like this. I've had so many messages of people telling me their experiences with running buggies, pointing me to videos, pointing me to reviews. So I've got loads and loads of uh, details on all these different buggies and I still haven't made up uh, my mind which one to get. Um, but I am so excited. Um, it'll mean that on some occasions, me and Kelly will be able to go out together and take Harry with us. Um, but it'll also mean that I can take Harry out or Kelly can take Harry out and give the other one a bit bit more peace and quiet. It's just going to be, ah, oh, and I'm looking forward just, I'm really, I just, I, I can't put it into words how excited I am about running, buggy running. But ask me a few weeks in and I've got bad <laughs> shoulders and a bad back and it might be a different story. Oh, no, it's sweet. We look forward to seeing the pictures of you running with Harry in the buggy. We can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah. I already, I've already looked up the world record. Like, what's the world record? And it's massively fun. We'll be trying. Come on, what is it? You are so determined. I was, I was like, I wonder if it's a soft world record. It's not. <laughs> oh, no. I look at those as well, like one dressed up as a Disney character. They're really fast. Silly. Yeah, I know. Maybe that's not the next goal then. But, yeah, um, maybe not. So, Matt, let's talk about the burning question on everyone's mind, which is the London Marathon 2017 and the finish line of it. It's one that will go down in history and you were a part of that history. Can you tell our listeners, for those who don't know, what happened at the London Marathon 2017 finish line? Yeah, so 2017 is a pretty memorable year for me in the London Marathon. Um, I hadn't had the greatest of races. Um, and as I was coming towards the end, uh, I saw someone in a lot of trouble. Uh, and as I approached that person fell to the ground, I now know that person, David, uh, but yeah, he fell to the ground and was really struggling. So I helped him up and said, you can see the finish line. It's just there. It's a couple of hundred meters. You've got this, but I could see that he could see the finish line, but he wasn't going to make it without some help. So I put my arm around him, I put his arm around me and um, I encouraged him, but also helped him complete the London Marathon. And at the time I thought helping someone that was clearly in a world of pain and struggling quite badly was just a normal thing to do. 
And then before I knew it, it had blown up in the media and I was getting a lot of media attention for it, which was a shock really, because you don't really expect that for something so normal, which I'd seen at races all around, you know, the UK before people helping each other. Um, but it did seem to capture the imagination of the public and became this viral story, if you like. I remember seeing it in 2017 and even I was looking at it this week before we got you on the podcast and the image and the video gives me such goosebumps. I feel like it's such a memorable um, image for any runner and any Londoner. Like Everyone's seen that image, I feel. So what surprised you most about the reaction that you did get? Because it was an incredible reaction. Yeah, it was crazy because we, we crossed. I, I tried to say goodbye. He wasn't very um, coherent. So I, I left and thought, I hope he's okay. Went back to my bag, went to bag collection, got my bag, and my phone was going crazy. It was going so crazy that I couldn't use my phone. It was just constantly notifications coming through. So I couldn't actually phone my family to find out where they were. I was like, what is going on? I couldn't read them because they were coming in so quickly. And then, then it started to ring then. And I answered it and it was the BBC and they wanted me to come back to the, the finish line. I was like, what is, what, what has happened here? Um, so it was only after that first interview. And when I finally spoke to the team at the London marathon that I realized that it had been on the cameras and they'd shown the whole thing and that it became this massive story. And then the next 24 hours were just bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Um, with just interview after interview after interview. It's not it's not the normal way you recover from a marathon. Um but it was yeah, it was it was special. And meeting up with David again and seeing him um and seeing that he was okay and forming a great friendship with him is is pretty special. Yeah, it's a great memory. David Wyatt obviously is the guy in question and uh when you do that kind of selfless act in the finish straight as well, wasn't it? It was a 200 metres to go in front of, I guess, uh, Buckingham Palace where everybody's watching. The BBC do usually cover the finish line, Matt, FYI, and millions of people are usually <laughs> watching. So um, obviously it was going to get spotted on, on camera. Not that you knew that at the time, obviously, because you, like you've just mentioned there, were having problems earlier in the race as well. You had a calf problem and were people, because we know the spirit of London, actually, that came about from your selfless act. People in the marathon are so great. How did they respond to your problems throughout as well? Well, that was one of the things. I had a calf issue. I kept on stopping, trying to stretch it out, just hoping it would go away. And I had so many people stop and be like, are you okay? Are you okay? I had a runner who was running a great race um, who was from South Wales, like, oh, I'll run with you. I'm like, I can't run. He's like, oh, I'll just go at whatever pace you want to go at. And this is someone that's on for a great time. And I was just amazed by how much people care about other runners, which is why what I did, I didn't think was very special because it's happening all over the course. It just happened to be that mine was the moment that was caught on camera, but they could have caught that same moment anywhere on the course. I don't know, Matt. I think you're being a little bit modest because I ran London in 2015 and People were so, so supportive and I could see people helping other people that were struggling. Definitely, definitely, 100%. But I also ran it last year, so 2019. And actually, the last couple of miles, I was in a very bad state. Um, Could have done with your help at the time, actually. But yeah, I was not in a good state. And I feel like there is an overwhelming amount of people now that help other runners and I do honestly before I ever spoke to you I always believed that it was as a result of that image from 2017 and as a result of the hashtag spirit of London so I do think you're playing it down slightly I have to say I think the impact that you've had on running as a community is actually huge and maybe you don't see that yourself but I've always felt like that oh thank you that's very kind how did that moment like change you because it must have had effects on you kind of mentally as well and we know you spoke about that earlier um did that change your attitude at all it was the actual day was really quite strange going to then be interviewed by the bbc as i talked earlier about my anxiety i was like i can't do an interview on the bbc but i sort of just because i was thrust into it and i had to do it it comes back to the Beckett quote, just just try and if it doesn't go well, then it doesn't go well, you know? 
Um, and then all the interviews the next day, I think it made me again, it, it helped me growing confidence because I was doing these interviews and I was getting through them and nothing did go bad. Nothing seemed to go wrong. And people were reacting positively to the story. It was, it was brilliant. And ever since then, um, it has changed my life because, you know, I, I quit the job I was at at the time. I started um, the coaching business that I'd wanted to start for a while. And, it, you know, it did give me a platform to, to really go after life. And, yeah, it's, it, you don't expect that from just turning up at a marathon. It is really amazing. Um, and as a result of that, you received the Spirit of London Award. So what does that award mean to you? It's amazing. Um, I was utterly shocked when the London Marathon contacted us and said that they were going to make the next year's edition of the marathon the Spirit of London and that they were starting up an award and we both got given the Spirit of London Award and it was just unbelievable. Um, really was an amazing thing to receive and I, I didn't feel like I was worthy of it in some ways but I do think it's an, an incredible thing and you know I can't wait to tell Harry all about it when he's old enough. Did you actually run the London Marathon in 2018? I can't remember if you ran it the second year as well. I've run it every year since. How was it going then? Since since then, do people kind of recognise you when you run it? Or um, do you get so much attention every time you do run it? What's it like as a celebrity running London? I'm not a celebrity, but oh, I do. Oh, Josh, stop being modest. I... <laughs> you are in the London Marathon. <laughs> I, do, I do get recognised quite a bit when it's the London Marathon. I think people... They, they recognize the vest they recognize me because i'm in the vest and obviously it's the london marathon yeah the support is incredible the support's incredible whatever but yeah i do seem to get a lot of shout outs oh there he is go matt go matt which is really nice and yeah incredible that's not matt by the way saying that i'm i pushed him to answer that question guys if you're listening um and matt i do actually have another question my mum asked me to ask this are you and david friends now i know you said you're in touch with him are you are you mates yeah we really are I, I david is a good mate of mine now and that's another really nice thing to come out of it all um i'm friends with him his family are great and uh i was that was one of the reasons i was disappointed about london that's that's one of our chances to meet up and catch up and find out what's going on in each other's lives we message on whatsapp and on social media and we check each other's strava we're both really competitive um but um yeah so i'm looking forward to when this craziness is has passed hopefully and uh some events are on so we can meet up and enjoy each other's company again i love that i and i love seeing the images of you and david now it's so cool um so matt though do you get unlimited entry into the london marathon now is it a given um i don't get unlimited entry um i think they said that with the spirit of london award um, we're invited to enter. We still have to pay, but we're invited to enter any edition of the London Marathon, which is the most amazing thing ever. Um, and I realise how lucky I am um, to even be saying that because so many people want to run that race. Um, yeah, so that it's, it is pretty special. I did not know that, and I am so jealous now. That is incredible. You can just, um, obviously paying, because obviously it's always for a good cause as well. But so if you had to run the London Marathon, I've done it twice and I loved both times I ran. The third time I was going to do it, I got injured. You know what happens when you defer it too many times, you don't get to run. But um, Matt, great. Thank you so much for talking to us. It's been an absolute honour to speak to you. I'm like grinning from ear to ear as Amana. Your stories have been amazing. We wish you all the best of luck in your quest for sub 220. I can't even believe I'm saying that. To a man that only started running properly five years ago. It's just amazing. And we can't wait to read about it and watch your blogs about how you get on. Um, and we'll be rooting for you because we'll be able to see you on TV. Hopefully, if it goes ahead. I'm sure they'll uh, zoom in at yeah, some point, hopefully. the cameramen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, guys. It's been so enjoyable to come on the show and talk to you and find a little bit about you as well. So thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks. So Matt Reese, 
what a guy and what an athlete. He was such a pleasure to have on the podcast this week and such a pleasure to talk to. I think he's so brave about sharing his past struggles and his goals because I think both Rach and I feel that we keep our goals to ourselves and actually we should be braver and share those goals and talk about those goals to help inspire and motivate other people. I think the thing that I took away from Matt was just how motivated and determined he is. He's also so, so passionate about running, about his coaching, about family, and just passionate about life. I really enjoyed talking to him. And he's not scared to say what he thinks. He absolutely shot me down there when I said, yeah, what session do you think you can get um, fit quickly at? He was like, there is no easy way or fast way to get fit. So um, he definitely put me in my place. I love that. That actually might be my favourite bit of any podcast ever. Thank you, Matt, for putting Rach in her place. I talk far too much sometimes. But anyway, something that I really took um, from what Matt said as well was actually right at the beginning when he said, take your easy running days as easy running days. I'm someone that struggles to do that. And maybe a reason for that is that I've grown up being a faster runner, so an 800 meter runner. And I guess I had maybe the misconception in my head that in order to run fast on track, you always had to run fast. I felt like if I ever did any slower runs, that that would mean I was slower on the track, which I think makes absolutely no sense. But I guess it's just instilled in me that if you run fast, you'll run faster for 800 meters. But maybe that doesn't necessarily transpire to when running a marathon. You can't literally run 20 miles, 10 miles, 12 miles at your marathon pace. So I think I'm learning that. I'm learning that at, you know, a later stage in my life. Um, so yeah, thanks, Matt, for just kind of telling me that that is something that I should be doing. So I love that we had a coach athlete on as well. It's great to have some advice from a great coach. So thank you again, Matt, for joining us. We loved it. Um, but that is all we have time for today. So we're going to stop talking now. But if you do want to ask any questions or or suggest a guest, then uh, do follow us or join us on Instagram. And that is Rachel double underscore Stringer for me. And Amana? Mine is at Amana underscore Rye. And for anyone who wants to follow Matt, his is at The Welsh Runner. So thank you for listening to this week's podcast. And until next week, keep running. Keep running.